Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. My privilege to be able to start the series on on Jude this morning. And uh, the first uh, week I'd like to just introduce this book of Jude uh, and talk about what um, Eugene Peterson calls the scoundrels, the, uh, the scoundrels, and it's basically the false teachers that he, he addresses. And um, the, the word scoundrel um, basically uh, means a, a dishonest or unscup- unscrupulous person, uh, a person with bad reputation, uh, a person that sets a bad example for others. Uh, and so uh, Jude wants to address this because it's an issue that has crept into the church. Uh, the author is Jude. Uh, the place of writing is a little bit uncertain, um, but certainly the, the theme is this warning against false teachers because they've, they've infiltrated the church and are able to lead people astray in a very cunning way. Uh, and we often find that uh, that's how cults begin, where, where people are very eloquent in their speaking, they're able to motivate others, convince them, uh, and lead them astray. And so th- there is no uncertainty on, on Jude's purpose here, and he wants to basically talk about the facts about salvation and whose salvation is found in. And so he begins to, to explain to us that uh, now that you know whose you are, uh, you need to hold on to that faith. And he, in fact, he used the word contend for that faith because there are people, there are these scoundrels uh, that will come in and lead you astray if you're not certain uh, about who Jesus Christ is. And, and I think that's important uh, for us now, but also forever in our faith. And so uh, these people come in and they they wax eloquent about uh, doctrinal issues, but there is no parity in how they live. And so Jude wants to to tell them that once you know Jesus Christ and you know him personally, there is evidence in the life that you live. And so there is congruency between who you believe in and how you live your life. So I want to uh, read, uh, firstly, Uh, in the New International Version, and then also in the message. The New International Version says it this way. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, he writes, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. The message, which is uh, it's just a paraphrase of this passage, 
Uh, it's not reliable for exegesis, but it says it beautifully. It says this, I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging, that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to God and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks, our scriptures warned us that this would happen, who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of our God with sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. Wow, it's a powerful passage. And one that uh, we will do well to heed. If we look at verse 3, it talks about the faith that was once for all. The faith that was once for all. And, and we ask the question, what is that faith that was given to us? Uh, what is uh, that that we need to hold on to and in fact contend uh, and fight for? And, and I think it's got to do with, with uh, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the faith that was once delivered to us by the, apos the apostles when they followed the Lord Jesus Christ and they taught us what we need to know. And so that was carried down through the ages. And he, he says that we need to uh, hold on to that body of doctrine, uh, which is complete. It's complete. There is nothing new that we need to add to what we have today. And so he says we need to hold on to that. Yeah, the word that he uses, apaz, which means once for all delivered. It was once for all. It was a single message, and it was about the Lord Jesus Christ. Yours and my job is to understand what Scripture says and how do we apply it in our context. Because that principle is timeless and universal. So what was uh, written 2,000 years ago is still applicable for you and for me today. How we apply it might be differently. And so the, the message is still the same. In fact, uh, John writes in the book of Revelation, um, and he says in chapter 22, verse 19, that we cannot add or subtract from anything that's been written to us and for us. And he says we are not to add or take away from the word. And the word that he uses there is a beautiful Greek word, which actually means almost to rub out. Don't take what's been written to you and actually go, that's not applicable for me, and you rub it out. Because when you start cutting little verses away and say, oh, that's, you know what, that's old-fashioned. That was for them. We are living in a new dispensation. You know, we are, we are modern people. Then you will not stop cutting the Bible, and you'll be left with only the cover. Because everything might seem irrelevant, but the principles apply absolutely. And so he says, don't rub it out. Uh, don't delete it. it it's, it's almost, um, in my mind, it's a picture of, you know, I, I've got a receipt that I bought something. I bring it back to the store that I bought it from, and they delete it. They reverse it. 
And he's saying, don't do that when it comes to the Scriptures. Don't do that when it comes to the Bible, because it's our doctrine. In fact, uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and he says, guard it with all your heart. Guard it with all your heart. And uh, uh, Paul would carry on in, in his writings to the churches, and he, he talks about there is a knowledge that we are to have about God, which many people have. But there is something deeper, and it's called uh, this deeper knowledge. So the, the Greek word for knowledge is the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, that you can see up there. But what Paul talks about is not just gnosis or knowledge. He's talking about epi. Gnosis, knowing Christ intimately through a relationship with him. And that's what we need to hold on to, who Jesus Christ is. And so Paul says, listen, you, you, you must know God and you must know him well. You must know him intimately. And so there, there are certain things that, that we, we can debate about and discuss, but there are some essentials that are crucial. And the essentials he talks about, you know, is because Jesus is one. You know, uh, he's one. And l last week I, I touched on Ephesians 4, verses 4 to 6, uh, uh, where it says, There is one body, one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And so we might have different theologies, but Christ is one. I've got a picture of a, a, a boat up there. And, you know, what keeps that boat afloat is not the mast. It's the hull. And so uh, the hull is what our faith is all about. That stuff that keeps us afloat. Uh, but the color of the mast can differ. That's not as important as the hull, because if your color, if the color of your mask is pink or blue, that doesn't make a difference. And the reason I give you that illustration is that there are certain things that have crept into the church, Jude wants to tell us, that we've become to believe it as gospel, if you like. There's one, for example, uh, called the prosperity gospel. You know, it's something new. Sow a seed, sow a seed, and the more you sow, the more you'll be blessed. But when we do it with the wrong motivation, then that's not good. We do it out of gratitude for what God has given us. And so Jude is saying that sound doctrine uh, is not this open question. It's what we hold on to, because there are two sides to the coin. The one is our doctrine, and that's carried out through action. But if you're able to wax eloquent about doctrine and you don't carry it out, then there's actual um, heresy and there is, uh, you know, you're fake, he's saying. And so what these guys have done, have turned the grace of God into a license for immorality. So these false teachers have crept in. In that next slide, let me show you what I, what I, I think uh, Jude is saying. You see, we live in this life where it's kind of in that block where it's, there's law and grace. And we, we up and down, I think. You know, sometimes we, we abide more by the law and other times by grace. The danger comes in when you actually go to the extreme corners of the law and the extreme corners of grace. Because if, the, if you take the extreme corners of, of the law, then it becomes legalism. Not only... Uh, if it works for me, that's good, but I insist it work for everybody else. And that's legalistic. That binds us rather than sets us free. 
It binds us rather than sets us free. But the problem here that uh, Jude is writing to them about is this grace that they've taken to the extreme that becomes license. Well, God loves me. God is gracious. I can do anything. It gives me license to do whatever I want to do because God forgives me. Now, folks, that's a half-truth because God is a gracious God and God does forgive us. But we've got to be very, very careful that we don't take it and it becomes license. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. A grace that is kind of dealt with very cheaply. That grace of God actually put Jesus Christ on the cross. So it's not a cheap grace at all. And so these uh, people, these scoundrels, have come in. They've crept into the church and they're saying, hey, why do you want to abide by the law? You know, we, God is a loving God. He's a forgiving God. And so we could do anything because he loves and forgives. So what's the, what's the big fuss here? And that is extremely dangerous because you can wax eloquent on the one side. You can quote all the, the scriptures in Hebrew and in Greek, if you like. But if there's no parity in how you live your life, he's saying, then actually you're convinced rather than convicted. And so it's important to try and understand uh, what uh, we believe, and to hold on to that. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the, the resurrection, and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that you, the, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand by, which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first all of that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that word hold fast, katecho, means keep it secure. Take it, possess it, make it part of who you are. You know, uh, detain it if you like. Detain it. Not detain error, detain the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Now, friends, we can often argue about certain things, but there are certain things that need to be important in the hull, in the hull. And what are these things, if you like? Well, it's what we call the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. For example, the inerrancy of Scripture, that this is not just a fairy tale book. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Also, that Adam and Eve were two people. They were two people. They, didn't, uh, they weren't created as baboons and involved slowly over the years into something upright. How dare you speak about my grandparents like that? You know, <laughs> They were two literal people. I'm getting this funny look, oh, Christophides, you are so backward. That's okay. The sinful nature of humanity, that our hearts are not the best, our position is one of rebellion, our disposition is one of following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of the whole. The deity of Christ, that is fully God and fully man. The, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The atonement, what he, that we were once at enmity with others, 
we were once at enmity with God, and God, through His blood on the cross, reconciled us back to Himself, and we can be reconciled back to one another. A bodily resurrection that one day, if we still hear, that we will rise in Him. How that's going to look, thank God we don't know, but it's going to happen. A second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either we believe it or we don't. That's part of the whole. And then an eternal heaven and hell. Oh, Christophides, that's, a little bit, that's pushing it a little bit too much. No, it's not, folk. The Bible talks about it. And so if the Bible talks about it, and this is the Word of God, we've got to hold on to it. And so that's the faith that Judy is speaking about. Let's be careful not to take some of these things and push them to the corners, you know, because then it becomes legalistic or it becomes licensed to do anything. And there'll be no congruency with what we claim and how we live. Secondly, I think it's important that the whole church need to know doctrine well. In that next slide, you'll see that the whole church need to know doctrine well. And so June uh, is not only addressing pastoral, pastoral leaders here, he is addressing all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, you need to protect the faith. Hold on to it. Protect it, because it's important to do that. And uh, to quote Carol, he says, uh, you betray a spirit of absolute disloyalty if you regard with indifference any addition or subtraction from the body of truth once delivered to the saints. So folk, many, many times when it comes to, to faith and doctrinal issues, there is this attitude of apathy. Apathy. Now let me ask you a simple question. What is the opposite of love? We all say, well, hate. Well, what's the opposite of hate? And we all say love. I want to suggest to you the opposite of love and the opposite of hate is apathy. The Greek word pathos means passion. But when there is a little A in front of it, it's like, you know, you're neither here nor there. You know, I don't care. You know, let the pastors, you know, sort out the faith issues and, you know, they'll tell us. But when the pastors aren't around, what do you do? And so it's crucial that you hold on to the scriptures and you know your Bible well. Got a picture of a couple of hundred dollar notes there that, were that, which, that uh, I just took this morning from my bank. No. Um, <laughs> go back to the, yeah. So, folk, if you look at those hundred dollar notes, the private investigators that are taught what fraudulent money looks like are not shown false money, they are shown genuine money. Because there was false money yesterday, there's false money today, printed some this morning, uh, and there's false money tomorrow. There'll be fake notes all the time. But how do you know what is genuine? You're shown the real one. As you know what the real one looks like, you pick up the error. As you know what truth is, you pick up error. And so it's crucial, it's crucial that we understand what the Bible says. The whole church is to know what the Scripture says. We need to become biblically literate, biblically educated. Thirdly, it's important to, to know our faith. 
I picked up the, the most recent statistics. And um, look at them. They're actually quite shocking. And folks, you say to me, well, each one to his own. That's bad news. Mind your own business. Let other people mind their own business. Do what you do and just leave other people alone. But look at this. Christianity is the most common religion in Australia. Hallelujah, we all say. With over 40% identifying as Christians. But it's reduced from over 50% in 2016 and over 60% in 2011. So if you follow those dots, the trajectory is down, not up. And with Christian morals and Christian, doc- sorry, with Christian doctrine going out the window, Christian morals go out the window. And that's dangerous. And all we've done is nothing. Each one to his own, remember. While fewer people are reporting their religion as Christian, more are reporting no religion. Almost 40% of Australia's population reported having no religion uh, in last year's census, and, and that's increased from 30%. So no religion or atheism or being agnostic is on the up while Christianity is on the down. You say, well, Christophides, you better do your job better. I agree with you. But help me, please. Help me, please. Because slowly, we are beginning to erode the morals and the principles that are given in Scripture. And before we know it, we're in trouble. Before we know it, we're in trouble. You know the story of the, of the frog in, the, in the, the water on the stove? Its body begins to adapt according to the heat of that water. So the more you turn the heat up, the more the water gets warm and the more the frog's body begins to adapt to the temperature. And it eventually boils to death. Slowly, 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 it's beginning, it's adapting to its surroundings. And folks, that's exactly what we do. So once we are a Christian country... Then we said, no, postmodern, we're a postmodern country. And then, you know, now we, we can actually regard ourselves as a non-Christian country because things have been eroded and it's getting worse and worse and worse. So it's increasing in the one area but decreasing in the other. And so he says that we need to contend to our faith. We need to hold on to it. And folk, be aware that trouble is coming. And in fact, uh, the New Testament is filled with passages of Scripture that warn us that these scoundrels will creep into the church and lead many people astray. They will lead many people astray. And so we must be careful of that. And I really believe this, that it's Satan's strategy to do his best to deceive us. And all we have to do to be deceived is nothing. Because nature will take its way if we don't do something about it. And so we need to understand Scripture, but also put it into practice. The importance of knowing our faith well. The next point is that we need to fight with everything you have in you for the faith, he says in verse 4. In that next slide. And so Jude gives us another way of looking at it. You know, hold on to it and fight for the faith. Fight for it because, you know, 
earnestly, he says. And the word he uses there, uh, eparonizome, where we get the English word agony. He says, agonize about it. Do it because you know what? It's important. But he puts a little prefix, ep. You know, he says, listen, do it with absolute earnesty. It's got a picture of uh, somebody coming in and uh, a soldier and actually uh, going to battle. And, folk, if we don't, uh, if the enemy comes uh, in our face, then we need to take action, or else we'll be defeated. Because he's saying that there are people, like these scoundrels, are like sheep with wolves. No, they're wolves with sheep's clothing. They're wolves with sheep's clothing. They look attractive and harmless on the outside, but they slowly come in and infiltrate the church and lead people astray. Now, folks, there are many uh, views on eschatology. You say, what on earth is that? Eschatology is, uh, you know, the end times. You could be pre-mill, post-mill, amill. Uh, you could be pre-trib, post-trib. You know, uh, so there are a number of different things, but that's the color of the mast. But one thing is certain. We, we can discuss those things, and we discuss them in love rather than kind of animosity, but we must make sure that the stuff that we understand about the Lord Jesus Christ is constant. Because if we begin to uh, change things, that's extremely dangerous. And so we shouldn't just look for arguments. We should know the Bible well and know what it says. And we should be open to discuss these things in love. Because if we don't, then there could be false teachers among, among us. And if we do it in a vindictive manner, we could lose people. And, but in love, we could draw people in. Because we're all there to grow. And so the message of, of Jude is very clear for the 21st century, for our church, for every other church in the world as well. That there is error around. And if we don't hold on to the truth, that error uh, will creep in and become solid. That truth must be proclaimed not only proclaimed, but it must be defended. And because Jude has a burden for it, it should be a burden for you and for me. Now, folks, let me give you a simple illustration of why it's important to know the Bible. In that slide there, two, two down, that one there, we all know John chapter 1, verse 1. We all know it well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. We all say, Amen. But that's not what it says. <laughs> couple of no's here. How rude. It's not what it says in the Bible. Because it, it actually says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But there is a certain cult, and because I don't want to go to jail, uh, I won't mention it, but some, and it's a big cult in this country, have put an A in it. And that little A I've put in at the bottom just above that little fat man there, um, because that A is one little letter that can lead people astray. And so to get to God from the bottom to the top is through Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ alone. Not some other stuff, 
through Jesus Christ alone. But putting a little A in there becomes extremely dangerous because we begin to take the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and throw it out the window by putting a little A in. And so it doesn't look too bad at the bottom, but if you look, there's a huge gap between God and error, and we won't even know it. And you know, some of their magazines have got beautiful pictures, and they're doing really well, and they show interest in you, and the sad part is that they know the Bible well, but they are able to twist it in a way uh, that suits them, and they manipulate it. And because there are many who don't know the Bible well, they're easily convinced. And so I want to encourage you this morning that it's important to know the Bible and to know it well. Let me read you something about the Bible in that next slide, just a picture of it. The Bible. This book contains the mind of God, the state of humanity, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is open and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life, will be opened at the judgment, and is established forever. It requires the highest responsibility, will regard the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its contents. Like that $100 note, if you don't know what is right, what is truth, you cannot pick up what is wrong and error. I encourage you to know your Bible well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, your word tells us that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so help us, Lord, to hold on to these truths that you've given us in your word so we might not be found guilty. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to reveal the truth to us. Thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. So we pray that you'll guide us, that you will lead us, that you will show us the way, Lord, that we might not be found guilty. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you that we've been able to, Lord, put our faith and trust in you.
Thank you that we've been able to be reconciled back to you because of what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about to have communion together. We all know what it's all about. We all know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. The Bible says in a similar way, he took the cup and he says, this is blood of the new covenant, new covenant in my blood. Do it whenever you meet as to remember him. Now, folk, as a bit of a challenge this morning, I want to read a verse out of the Bible. Uh, it's Psalm 119, verse 105. It says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. There are many signs that we adhere to every day. Signs that have meanings. Uh, as you exit here, there will be a stop sign. That is a sign that we stop. There are signs, uh, traffic lights, red, stop, green, go. There are different signs that we adhere to. Uh, some are hand signs, some are written signs, uh, but we abide by those signs because they've been given to us. When you go for a driving test, the instructor will ask you, or the, the officer who's doing the testing will ask you, what is that sign, or uh, what does that sign mean? And so what you understand the sign to mean needs to bring parity with how you drive. God has given us signs as well. It's called the Bible. It's called the Bible. And to, to direct your life in a way that is pleasing to God, you need to know the Bible. You need to know what God has written in the Bible. And so this morning, before we have communion together, I want to challenge you. Let's not take this bread and the juice and, and just eat it and go, cool, that's what we do once a month. No, let's understand what it means. These are signs of God's love for us. And the more we want to know about these signs, the more desire we have to read the Bible. It's like entering into a relationship with someone. The more time you spend with them, the more you get to know them. The more time we read the Bible and not just familiarize ourselves with it, the more we get to know God and to know Him well. The difference between gnosis, knowledge, and epignosis, knowing him intimately. I believe that the Bible keeps us safe for life. And as we eat and drink this morning together, in appreciation for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, let's eat and drink knowing with absolute certainty that he loves us, he wants us to know his word well, and to get to know him even more. Let me pray and then we'll eat and drink together. Father, we thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us, for the remission of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before you this morning, Lord, knowing with absolute certainty that you died for us and that you love us. So, Lord, as we eat and drink this morning, 
It's with appreciation for what you've done for us. May, through your Holy Spirit, you reveal your love for us. And may we desire to know you more and more. Help us to do this, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.